0: Welcome to another episode of Laboratory Considerations from Q-Squared Solutions. I'm your host, Chris Connor. Q-Squared Solutions is a leading global clinical trial laboratory services organization providing comprehensive testing, project management, supply chain, biorepository, biospecimen, and consent tracking solutions. Leveraging our next generation technologies, we deliver agile and precise services designed to meet the diverse needs of our clients. We provide scientific expertise and innovative solutions for ADME, bioanalytical, genomics, vaccines, and central laboratory services, including flow cytometry, anatomic pathology, immunoassay, molecular, and companion diagnostics with meticulous regional and global clinical trial implementation support and high quality data delivery. At Q-Squared Solutions, our work is rooted in research, grounded in collaboration, and guided by our passion to turn the hope of patients and caregivers around the world into the help they need. To learn more, visit q2labsolutions.com. That's Q, the number two, labsolutions.com. Joining me on this episode is Barbara Nagaraj, senior IT architect at BioFortis, a Q-squared solutions company. Barbara, welcome.
1: Thank you so much. Glad to be here.
0: Today, in this first part of this three-part series, we're going to talk about sample tracking and clinical trials and specifically managing those samples throughout their life cycle. So to get us started, Barbara, give us an overview of a sample's life from collection to storage and everything that can happen after that.
1: You know, it's funny. I, I think initially people don't realize that that it is complicated. There, there actually is a life cycle for a sample. And so it, it sure can be complicated. So if you imagine that overall clinical trials are like a distributed ecosystem, so lots of interactive members that are depending and supporting each other in this way, And even fostering relationships and sharing data and information, all these things are really critical to the health of the whole trial. And then the members, each of the members within this ecosystem include the, the clinical sites, so those sites that are seeing the patients, the laboratories, any vendors ever even touching the samples, even if it's a courier, a UPS or Merkin or something like that, and even by repositories, those places that store the samples long-term, and then the patient samples themselves and any associated data, these are the things that are truly the lifeblood of the entire enterprise for the study so to ensure what we call a successful study we need to manage the samples throughout this entire life cycle from the initial collection from the patient at the clinical site to any movements of the samples from lab to lab maybe for uh, analysis or storage and then even to the final delivery or submission of the data at the end of the study so it can be really challenging in general just following the samples through this lifecycle in terms of integrating all of the sample components and not just the physical samples themselves, but also the data. So when the samples are touched by multiple sources within the ecosystem, it can be complicated. And then the sponsor really must have full visibility of each sample as it moves from the patient to the repository or the the end of life and all throughout that ecosystem the sponsor has to have full visibility of everything and every sample must be accounted for. I'm even going to go further and say that after a study has ended there there's still visibility. The samples enter really another part of their life cycle, maybe like a second life, where they can be used for purposes beyond their original collection intent. So this could probably include something like development of a diagnostic or a novel assay within the same therapeutic area or maybe in a completely different area unrelated to the original study where the samples were collected. So in that case really careful consideration needs to take place to ensure that the samples that when they're being pulled from storage from the repository for this future use or out of study type of work are properly consented which is a whole other topic, but really that means, did the subject agree that their samples can be used for these purposes outside of the original study? That is part of the sample life cycle, right? The samples going from one place to another it's being used in one way or another. The subject has to have agreed to that. So we even add some complexity then to that story around the samples. The investigator has to determine, can these samples be identified? Should they be identifiable Should the samples be identifiable or anonymized, How long have they been in storage? Could that affect their viability? Is there any relevant information about the subjects that these samples were collected from that could be important for this new research, et cetera? Because investigators can request both the sample, the physical sample itself, and they can also request data about the samples for this new research, it's really critical then to ensure that both the sample and the data around the sample are both tracked and stored properly.
0: Yeah, so many things in there that I hadn't thought of before, particularly around just couriers. So it brings to mind a chain of custody for any other kind of sample. Is that is there such a thing? Is that included in this? That
1: is, the the chain of custody is almost really like the webbing between all of the different parts of the ecosystem. The courier definitely comes into play because that's a critical control point. The courier picks it up. They have to record that they picked up a sample. It has to be transported. Sometimes they even include uh, temperature monitors and things like that in the sample packaging. So if a courier has an issue like the truck breaks down and their refrigeration system fails and they're able to track temperature either within the box with the samples or in the unit itself, that's a really important information for the investigator to know. Not every courier has that capability, but if you're dealing with a really special rare sample, that information is so critical. So that is definitely part of the chain of custody and a part of that entire sample ecosystem.
0: So the bottom line is the life cycle means everything, the entire life history of that sample's collection and travels.
1: Yeah, that's absolutely right.
0: Given the volume of samples in even a single study, not to mention over numerous studies that you might be involved in, tracking them from one vendor to another seems pretty complicated as we just pointed out what makes tracking all that information so difficult
1: it really can be complicated because we're talking about probably upwards of hundreds of thousands of samples potentially depending on the size and phase of the study so in studies that have a large distributed ecosystem, so lots of vendors touching the samples and lots of movement from one place to another, we have to expect that each vendor then has their own procedures, their own data systems, their own approach to tracking their samples, when they receive it, when they process it, if they ship it back out. But then we also have to consider that there are some smaller specialty labs, I call them almost like mom and pop labs, that may not have that sophisticated data architecture or integrations in place for managing sample tracking. So we see this a lot with maybe university labs for example. So they have a small shop with just a few staff members to manage all aspects of receiving and analyzing the samples. So the focus is really on the analytics and the assay and less on the chain of custody. So their approach to sample tracking and the data may not nearly uh, may not be as robust as the larger vendors, but the data from the smaller vendors is just as important as the data from those really large vendors and central labs, because in the grand scheme of things, every sample must be accounted for. That really is the bottom line. Something else that complicates this movement of the samples from place to place for studies is that clinical sites, so where the subject actually comes in to have their samples taken, they may ship, uh, for example, screening samples directly from their clinic, from their hospital, straight to a testing lab. So they may bypass a central lab all together. Now, most central labs, they're sending out, these are the big labs, they're sending out data on a regular basis to the study team. The study team's always getting updated, can always check, but if these samples for maybe a screening lab are going once every couple of months when they screen a patient and they're going to a smaller mom and pop lab, the study team really doesn't have a whole lot of visibility of those samples until that testing lab sends the analysis results, which could be a week or two after the sample's actually been received so any delays in shipment or in receipt of the samples is pretty much unknown to the study team and could potentially compromise the the quality or viability of the sample which unfortunately could lead to a major lost opportunity to test a really valuable sample. In my mind having all of the chain of custody data together in one place on a regular basis is actually really important for the study team to track their samples nearly real time. And this could ultimately save them time and resources down the line because they're going to need to reconcile this information later on for final submission.
0: Yeah, that's a lot. What are the risks of not knowing where those samples are?
1: Yeah, that's the million-dollar question. So I suspect most investigators will tell you that the sample itself is just as important as the patient and especially if you're thinking about rare disease study where you're already working with a a small number of patients to begin with, each of their samples really represents, I guess, in in essence, a significant snapshot in the time course of the study that, you know, in many cases from, say, a a biological or chemical perspective, can't be duplicated. So if these samples are really critical in understanding the disease process, that could be a major loss. If you don't know where your samples are, you could miss a window of opportunity that could literally be the eureka of the study. And then Thinking beyond this study, samples are, you know, often collected with the intention of being available for future use by other investigators, outside collaborators, maybe for the development of clinical diagnostics, like I mentioned earlier. other investigators may want to use a portion of any remaining samples from one study to perform research completely unrelated to the original study imagine those rare disease samples they're, they're like a gold mine of opportunity to use for other purposes in the spirit of advancing the scientific body of knowledge there's a wealth of information out there stored in these biorepositories that could be that gold mine of data and so what if we can't find those samples what if we can't answer the question? Somebody has a million dollar idea and they just can't find their samples? What if the investigator knows they collected these amazing, unique, highly valuable samples and they can't tell you where they are? Oh, that is such a loss. it's and it's not really even just a waste. funding dollars and resources for storing thousands of samples that are unusable. Another missed opportunity for discovery.
0: Huge opportunity cost besides, as you point out, the wasted money spent up to that point. Tell us a little bit about what the actual process looks like as it is right now.
1: Yeah, so this is this is the interesting question everybody does it a little bit different but I think that the feeling is the same it's spreadsheets email manifests vendor portals study team calls vendor team calls so really a lot of moving parts that are not all that tightly woven together so data managers and clinical trial leads are pulling this information together really manually to track their samples and to drive queries being questions about things they're seeing on the sample data even some of the subject data that then gets sent out for clarification. So it would make a lot of sense to have an approach that pools these different uh, disparate data sources together into one place for everybody to view and query so not all of the separate moving parts and have this one place then be accessible anywhere and anytime so that say investigators in california have the same accessibility to their sample data as their colleagues in hong kong that i think is then the ultimate goal pull it all together so that we all have access to all the information in one place together
0: that that makes perfect sense because certainly everybody should be able to gather all that the system you described sounds a few notches above a bunch of post-it notes
1: that's right Um. (laughs) yes you'd be surprised you'd be surprised
0: So in the next episode, we're going to talk about consent management and tracking that along with those samples. But Barbara Nagaraj, thank you for talking to me today about laying out the life cycle of clinical trial samples.
1: My pleasure. Thanks for having me.
0: You can learn more about sample tracking and consent management at q2labsolutions.com slash labmatrix. That's Q, the number two, labsolutions.com slash labmatrix. We hope you'll join us on the next episode of Laboratory Considerations. Bye-bye.